Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 6, the New York Yankees 5. The Guardians take a 2-1 lead in the American League Division Series. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And for those of you who have been following uh, the podcast, you know that I've been sitting on tickets for Game 3 of the American League Division Series. I was at the game tonight. We were there with uh, my wife, with some friends. We took it all in. So this is a much different experience, seeing the game live in person. We had seats kind of behind home plate in the upper deck. So we had a great view of everything, of of some of those seeing eye singles that made it through, some of those crazy bloop shots that dropped in. Like we, we had a great view for all of it. So it's a much different experience than watching that TV. Like, I, you know, I don't have a good feel for what the strike zone was. I could tell that some of those pitches were ridiculously outside, and we'll get to that, some of those called strikes. But, you know, I don't have a good feel for that. But what I did have a good feel for was the energy and the excitement in the stadium. So we're going to get into all of that. Uh, you know, we had to do a bit of a, a wind down when we got home. We watched a little SNL, and it's now basically 2 in the morning. Uh, right now, the Padres are uh, like a couple outs away from clinching their American League division or their National League division series. Just to let you know what time it is, uh, the Padres and Dodgers game is in the ninth inning. So uh, yeah, it's late at night, and we're doing once again Cleveland baseball nightly. Before we get into the storylines of the game, let's just talk about the energy during a playoff game in Cleveland because it is wild. The crowd was so pumped up and the Guardians couldn't have done a better job of starting this game with two big, intense, fun rallies to get two runs on the board to start things. But I'm not going to lie to you. When the Yankees started hitting their home runs, it really did suck the air out of that stadium. It was really hard. The first two times Oscar Gonzalez came up and Jose Ramirez came up. When Jose came up, the whole stadium is singing the Jose song. Jose, 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 Jose. When Oscar Gonzalez comes up, I'm sure you all know at this point that his walk-up music is the theme song to the cartoon SpongeBob SquarePants, where they repeat multiple times throughout the song, the name SpongeBob SquarePants. And you have not experienced something until you have heard 30,000 plus people. How many people with the official number tonight? Until you've heard 36,483 people shout in unison, SpongeBob SquarePants. It's, It's unbelievably fun. It reminded me of uh, the playoffs a few years ago when one of the players for the Washington Nationals used Baby Shark as his walk-up music and the whole place went nuts. That's what it felt like. I don't know. Uh, Just something about the night game, the atmosphere, and 36,000 people screaming SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, It's an incredible sight. So the energy was there. But then when they hit their home runs... Yeah, when Ramirez and Gonzalez came up the third time around and the Guardians' offense had gone into a little bit of a slump 
and Severino had gotten into a groove where he had set down a bunch in a row. How many was it in a row? Because uh, after that second inning rally, he sits down 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, uh, until finally Andres Jimenez hits that infield single. So uh, going back, I guess, to the second inning, uh, man, it was like 12 or 13 in a row that he had set down. Uh, so Severino was really in a groove. So yeah, that's that second time up. Uh, the crowd wasn't really singing the Jose song. They weren't chanting uh, SpongeBob SquarePants because the two home runs really sucked the life out of the stadium. It was hard. We were down 4-2 suddenly, and you felt how much work went into those two runs. And uh, now we had to get it back. We had to climb back into this thing. So, yeah, it did suck the energy out of the crowd, but we brought it back. The Guardians rallied back for a run in the sixth inning, and we realized this thing is not over yet. And I think the crowd pretty much ran until the end of the game. Uh, Anytime the Guardians got on base, the crowd was there and ready to support them. So an absolute amazing atmosphere. And the celebration, we will get to it. I promise you, I'm not going to bury the walk-off here. We are going to get to that. But the big storyline of this game. Here is the, this is the big storyline of the series, right? This is my this this game was the manifesto on this entire series, on this entire Guardian season. Cuz the question going into this series, the Yankees hit home runs. The Yankees hit home runs almost better than anybody has ever hit home runs, right? The Guardians don't, especially at home. They just don't at home. So How the heck was a team that's built on rallies and base hits going to compete with a team that's built on home runs? How was that going to work? Now, yeah, we beat them in game two. It went to extra innings. We get a little rally in extra innings. But even in game two, um, we still had to hit some home runs to get there, right? Ahmed Rosario had to hit a home run to tie the game. So it's still dependent on a home run. This was the perfect case scenario for everything we've talked about leading into the series because the Yankees score all of their runs on home runs. Three home runs lead to five runs. Get a man on, hit a big two-run home run. How deflating that is. It is. It truly is. It's a powerful thing. And then the Guardians on the other side of things, the way they scrap and they fight and they put up 15 hits on Yankees pitching. And they go not 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. Not, I think, what was it, 2 for 11 in game 2 with runners in scoring position? The Guardians in this game go 9 for 17 with runners in scoring position. 9 for 17. And turn it into 6 runs, and they do it. They beat the Yankees playing their style of baseball. They don't have to go find home runs to compete the Yankees' way. They didn't need a big walk-off grand slam from Josh Naylor. Instead, they needed a single up the middle from Oscar Gonzalez. SpongeBob SquarePants himself delivers again. Is that his third huge monster hit in this playoffs? Second walk-off? Unbelievable that Oscar Gonzalez is doing this, right? This is the spot that was supposed to be for Mio Reyes at the beginning of the season. The big, powerful, right-handed hitter that sometimes DHs, sometimes plays right field that was supposed to be for Mio Reyes. And as soon as he got shipped out, Oscar Gonzalez stepped in and took the role and ran with it. 
absolutely unbelievable. Do you want to start with the 10th inning rally? I feel like we got to start not with the 10th inning rally, the 9th inning rally. 10th inning was uh, game two. The 9th inning rally, I feel like we've got to start with it because the 8th inning, they do nothing, right? There's nothing there. The 7th inning, yeah, Jose Ramirez gets on with two outs, but Naylor has that check swing strikeout. I don't know. You tell me at home. I'm sitting in the upper deck. It didn't look to me like he swung. Somebody pulled the highlight up on Twitter who was sitting in the row in front of me. I was leaning over his shoulder. He doesn't even know this. I'm watching him watch the replay. And it doesn't look like he swung. You tell me sitting at home. Did they show a better did they show the side angle? I don't know. So I don't know if Naylor actually swung or not to strike out to end the seventh. But then they go one, two, three in the eighth inning. They don't even hit a ball hard. And you're thinking, oh boy, here we go. Ninth inning. We're down two. At least Eli Morgan is able to shut him down in the top of the ninth inning. Don't make things worse. Don't make things any more stressful. You don't allow a base runner. So here we come, ninth inning. You're looking at your last two hitters in the lineup. And I saw this coming. I was doing the math back in the seventh inning. And I was like, man, they got to turn this lineup over. They have got to get this lineup over one more time if they want a chance to win this thing. Maley flies out. All right, one down. Whatever. He works a decent at-bat. If it were the middle of a game in July, we wouldn't care about it. But it's the ninth inning in the playoffs, and he flies out to start the ninth inning. Then Miles Straw comes up. And how did we start things against them in game two? It was a bloop. It was a bloop in the left field that the left fielder couldn't come in on, that the shortstop couldn't go out on. Once again, is it Oswaldo Cabrera out there in left field? It is. And as much of a hero as he was up at the plate for the Yankees, up until this point in the game, here he is in left field again. He can't get to another Guardians bloop. 67.1 miles per hour off the bat of Miles Straw. 37-degree launch angle, but it had a 680 expected batting average because it's no man's land. Nobody's expected to get to this ball. So he drops in. He should have gone to second immediately. Instead, he hesitates between first and second. But for some reason, the throw comes into third base. I'm guessing that who I didn't even see who picked up the ball. I'm assuming Donaldson with his back to the play probably assumed that Straw was already on second. So I'm going to throw to third. Poor communication out there. And then he's able to scamper up to second base. All right, we got someone on. It brings the tying run to the plate. Quan has hit a home run already in these playoffs. He could do it again, right? Instead, he takes a check swing. Now, all game, he had been pulling the ball into right field. He had pulled a double down the right field line. He had shot an RBI line drive uh, into right field. All game, he's been pulling the ball. If you pitch Quan inside, he will pull the ball. Instead, he takes a check swing on a pitch away, and he ends up blooping one in, again, blooping one over the shortstop's head in the left field, and uh, they don't score straw, because at this point, straw's run doesn't really matter. The outs matter more than that first run coming into score, so I understand why they hold straw at this point. If he gets thrown out at the plate, that's a, that's a huge swing. But runners on the corner, and you bring up Ahmed Rosario. Now, the only thing here is some of you, obviously, like, you, you, I've been tracking every game and discussing every game, and we had a running joke at the beginning of the season. Not really a running joke. It was kind of depressing. How many times Stephen Kwan would lead off a game with a hit, and then Ahmed Rosario would immediately hit into a double play because he's a ground ball hitter. And I'm just, I'm, okay, at this point, I don't know if it was the cold 
or the energy in the, sh- the stadium. But I was, I'm literally shaking. I'm literally, that doesn't happen to me very often. I usually keep my stuff together when watching sports. I'm literally shaking, going, please, I don't even want to say anything to my wife or my friends. I'm thinking to myself, please don't let Ahmed Rosario hit into a double play here. There's one out, a double play ends this game. This beautiful rally that we have going in the ninth inning. Please, please don't let a double play end this thing, snuff this thing out. Please, Ahmed Rosario. Well, Instead, he shoots one at 101.5 miles per hour right through the left side. It brings in Straw to score, and uh, Quan moves up to second, and now we've really got something going here. We have really got them going in the ninth inning. Now, uh, Yankees fans are pissed because they didn't go to their closer for some reason. Schmidt is not their closer, but they go to him in the ninth inning here. And I didn't hear Boone's explanation of this, but... Yankees fans were not happy. Yankees players weren't happy about this. Even the Yankees players said, I don't know why our closer wasn't in the game. But uh, yeah, that's Boone. That's what he decided to do. So Schmidt is really on the ropes here. Uh, He's tried starting Ahmed Rosario off with sliders. We know Ahmed Rosario will chase sliders. Instead, on the third pitch, after a 1-1 count with two sliders, he comes inside with a two-seam sinker, and he turns on it and shoots it through that left side. That's good hitting from Ahmed Rosario. Uh, then it brings up Jose Ramirez. And for the next two batters, for two left-handed batters, he goes all knuckle curveballs here. This one was bizarre to watch live, because it looks like off the bat that Jose Ramirez takes the second pitch, which is a curveball. First one is down in the dirt. Second one is a hanger right there at the belt, and it looks like he shoots this thing through the left side. Instead, it's got this crazy backspin on it. It's only got a 56.9 mile per hour exit velocity, but they're shifted over because he's hitting from the left side, and they always shift over. So Connor Falefa is able to flag this thing down in you know deep shortstop position and shallow left field. So Quan isn't able to come around to score. He has to hold a third base. Everybody moves up a base. Ramirez gets a hit, but he doesn't get the big one that we were waiting for. So now we got to do it again. Bases loaded now. Bottom of the ninth inning. Bases loaded. You're down a run. This is the, the moment. This is when you stand in the backyard and you shout out to your friends. This is the moment you've been practicing since you're a little kid. In the backyard. Bases loaded. Bottom of the ninth. One run game. We talk about it all the time. There's so many ways for that run to come home from third. The one thing, there are two things we didn't want to see. The first one was still a double play was still a threat. A double play ends the game. And the other one was a strikeout. You can't score that runner from third if you can't put the ball in play. And Naylor, again, tell me what it looked like watching from home. It looked like to me like he was swinging for the fences. It looked like he was trying to hit that walk-off home run. And he fouls off the first knuckle curve. Then Schmidt busts him inside with two more knuckle curves. He swings through both of them and strikes out. Uh, The crowd was revved up. They were ready for another Naylor celebration. Honest to God, the crowd wanted to see somebody get headbutted. And it just... Man, Naylor was trying way, way too hard in that moment to be the hero. That's kind of his approach, though. He kind of just lets it rip. He lets it fly. And, man, when he makes contact, it's a fun thing. But uh, 
yeah, it was rough to see him strike out. It was really, I mean, he strikes out. And not only that, Gonzalez gets down to his last strike. So we go from a situation where it's bases loaded one out to now Gonzalez up. They know he'll chase a slider. That's the MO on Gonzalez. Throw him sliders away. He will chase a slider away. And the irony here is that he's down to his last strike. The pitch that he hits is the furthest slider down in a way. The first slider misses inside. He can't even get the plate with it. The second one that he fouls off is down and away, but in the strike zone. The third one that he fouls off is right down the middle. That was probably the one that the Yankees were most worried about. Because if you hang the slider to Oscar Gonzalez, he's going to pummel that thing into left field. So he fouls that one off. We're down to our last strike. And we everybody in the stadium knows what pitch is coming. It's a slider down and away. He knows it too, and instead of trying to pull the ball, he takes the perfect approach and shoots it to the right side, to right of second base. It's up the middle. Yeah, it's up the middle. Sometimes when you're trying to go to the opposite field, you get a little on top of it, and you end up shooting it back up the middle, which works here. He finds the gap between the second baseman and second base, gets it up into center field to Bader. I told my wife before the play, I was like, watch Ahmed Rosario on second base. He is one of the fastest guys in this game. He beat the camera guy home. The camera doesn't, you don't even see him cross the plate in the highlight. He's already across the plate. He was flying that fast around third base. There was nothing that was going to stop Ahmed Rosario from scoring that walk-off run and starting a celebration in right field for the Guardians. And the place erupts. It is pandemonium. If you find it on Twitter, there's a highlight of someone who is like filming from an apartment overlooking the stadium. And you just hear the roar of the stadium come to life. The hum of the stadium turns into the roar of the stadium. And just absolute pandemonium. High fives all over the place. It's a party down on the field and right field. They're mobbing Gonzalez once again. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. We proved it. We proved that this team that grinds and fights and rallies and puts the ball in play and takes the extra base and hustles and plays great defense, we proved that that team can beat the New York Yankees that come into your ballpark, hit a bunch of home runs, and that's it. I mean, you look at their box score, that is it. The only guys, three guys on the Yankees had hits. That's it. They go one for two with runners in scoring position. Judge has his his two-run home run. Uh, Bader had his solo home run and another hit. And Os- Oswaldo Cabrera had his hit to get on base for Judge and his two-run home run. Those are the only guys in the Yankees lineup that have hits on the day. Meanwhile, every single player, every single spot in the Guardians lineup has hits. The only one who doesn't have a hit is Luke Malias, one at bat in the ninth inning. But he's filling in for the catcher's position that already had a hit from Austin Hedges and had a hit from Brennan. So every spot in the Guardians lineup has a hit. They Everybody contributes. It's a full team effort. And they knock off the evil empire. They knock off the New York Yankees in the bottom of the ninth inning. I mean, it literally does not get better than this. Now, the work is not done. We still have a game four or a game five to win. This series is not over yet. So 
We have got to stay grinding. We have got to keep fighting. The job is not done. In fact, the job is far from done. I mean, we're just in what would have been the first round of the playoffs, you know, up until last year. Now the second round of the playoffs. But, man, there is still a lot of high-intensity baseball left. So hang on to your butts, Cleveland Baseball Morning fans, because this wild ride is going to continue. But honest to God, one of the best games I've ever been at. Uh, my friend from college was texting me. Uh, he's like, wait, you were at the game? I sent him the video. I tweeted it out of everybody shouting SpongeBob SquarePants. If you haven't seen it yet, find me on Twitter at Davey Barris. It's incredible to hear. Um, so I sent him that video. I was like, heck yeah, I'm there, man. I, I got there. I got to see one of the greatest playoff games in Guardians. Cleveland franchise history. One of the greatest, greatest playoff games. Uh, this one is going to go down with Tony Pena's walk-off, right? It's going to go down with some of the absolute best uh, comebacks in progressive field history and Jacobs field history. It's it's at the top of all those lists right now. I just, whew. All right, I'm going to take a second. All right. I'm going to collect my thoughts here. We're going to jump back. There are a few other things from this game that we got to talk about because this game is not built around just the walk-off. The Guardians also rally. It's amazing. Every rally they had up until that point, the three other runs they scored all come on three hits. Quan doubles to kick off the game. Jose Ramirez with a single moves him up to third. He just hits it really hard uh, into right field and he can't score. But Josh Naylor comes through, gets one somehow underneath Connor Falefa at shortstop. I'm not exactly sure what happened here. Did the ball knuckle on him? But it makes it underneath him for a single, and it brings in that run to score. So three hits it takes in the first inning to score a run. It takes three hits in the second inning. Gabriel Arias getting the start at first base. He finally takes Owen Miller out of the lineup, and he goes with one of these young guys that he's been keeping on his bench. I talked about it yesterday, but he has Benson and Arias sitting there and the other nailer sitting there on the bench he finally goes to one of them and you, you gotta believe that Arias is gonna be in the lineup again uh after the game he played so he kicks things off with a double Austin Hedges comes through after looking like he's gonna sacrifice bunt comes through with a single after a mile straw pop out Quan delivers that big RBI single into right field it takes three hits once again to bring in another run from the Guardians then you get the two-run home run from Aaron Judge in the third, and they even things right up. You get the two-run home run from Cabrera in the fifth, and they jump into a 4-2 lead, and you're thinking, is that insurmountable? Well, no. Here come the Guardians with two outs. Andres Jimenez gets an infield single. Again, live, I, I, I can't believe they didn't challenge any of these infield hits, but they didn't. I mean, must have been clearly safe at first. So Jimenez with the infield single. Gabriel Arias follows that up with another single, and they bring in Will Brennan to pinch hit. Uh, They pinch hit for Austin Hedges. They bring the lefty in. Uh, I believe one of the Yankees' bullpen arms is in at this point. I think this is when uh, Trevino comes into the game, and uh, Brennan does it. He does it. He works the at-bat, and he shoots one through the right side. A very Will Brennan kind of swing. Uh, 94.2 miles per hour. Uh, and he shoots it through and brings in Andres Jimenez to score, and it kind of proved to the crowd that the home runs are not the end of things. They are not 
the say-all, you know, end-all moment of this game. You don't just get to hit a home run and go home. You got to keep playing the game, and the Guardians are going to keep playing the game. So Brennan with an absolutely incredible pinch hit single here. Huge moment for the young guy. So once again, it takes three hits to bring in that run. So it's crazy how that pattern followed itself through the entire game. As far as the Yankees' home runs go, uh, frankly, the Guardians pitchers were just making mistakes. Uh, the one to Aaron Judge uh, from Tristan McKenzie. He uh, shows him a fastball, a high middle fastball that he fouls off on the first pitch. And then goes curveball in the dirt. Then goes with a slider right on the outside edge. He doesn't get the call. So now he's behind 2-1. to one. He goes back to the fastball and literally puts it in the exact same spot as the first pitch. Middle, up. That's just that's just too easy for Judge. He hits this thing 113.7 miles per hour, 449 feet. It clears the camera bay in dead center field. An absolute mammoth home run from Aaron Judge there. So the Yankees are literally waiting for you to make a mistake, and McKenzie makes a mistake here, gives him a fastball he's already seen, middle of the plate for a tall hitter like Judge uh, that's just too easy. Then uh, Iswaldo Cabrera just jumps on the first fastball he gets. He fouls off a slider, breaking uh, in on the lefty. And then he throws him a high and tight fastball. And he just turns on this thing, 104.8 miles per hour, 409 feet out to right field. So uh, McKenzie gets burned, gives up home runs on two different fastballs. Uh, to uh, And uh, Cabrera, it hurts because he's the number nine hitter. It's not like it's Judge or Stanton doing this. It's his Waldo Cabrera with a two-run home run right here. And then uh, Sam Henches finally gives up the first run uh, of any Guardians, literally of any Gar- Guardians relief pitcher of the entire playoffs. This is the first run given up. And once again, it's a fastball. He hits the outside edge for a called strike with a fastball. Uh, misses in with another fastball, uh, throws a curveball, but it drops down below the knee. So now he's behind 2-1, comes back with another fastball. I don't know where Hedges is set up for this one. Or is it Maley at this point? But uh, it is Maley at this point because Brennan had just pinched hit and they just made it a 4-3 game. And we talk about it all the time, being able to put up a zero after your team just scored, very important. Hedges can't do it here. He leaves that fastball just under middle, middle, uh, just under the middle of the plate, but right down the pipe. And uh, he hits this thing 109.7, 412 feet out to center field for his second home run of the series. Man, Harrison Bader, where did this guy come from? Suddenly he's turning into a Yankee. If they won, if they won, he'd be a Yankee playoff hero, but they take the loss on this one. So this home run will probably get forgotten about. Um, either way, Bader is having himself a good series. So yeah, fastballs, missing with some fastballs, making mistakes with fastballs, leaving them middle of the plate and the Yankees hitters will definitely make you pay for that. So that's what was going on on the pitching side of things. But once again, uh, despite that home run, Henches, De Los Santos, Eli Morgan give you really, really strong relief pitching for the Guardians. And they do better than uh, than the Yankees' bullpen does. Wandy Peralta looked good for a little bit there, but they leave him in in that ninth inning. They really pushed him 
in this game. It's something Peralta has done, it looks like, throughout the season. He's gone two innings before, so it wasn't too much of a stretch for them to leave Wandy Peralta in. He had some lefties to face, right? He had uh, Quan to face, so he leaves him in to maybe go up against Quan, and uh, they make him pay for leaving Wandy Peralta in too long. So their bullpen falters, our bullpen, fantastic. Uh, the battle between McKenzie and Severino to kick off the game. I, you know, I think, frankly, despite the two home runs, McKenzie, it, I mean, he really does shut down a lot of these Yankees hitters. But home runs are something that has always been an Achilles heel for Tristan McKenzie. His, his command is good. He doesn't want, he only walks one. But two home runs given up in this game. He's only hard hit four times on 76 pitches. Meanwhile, on the other side, Severino really settles into a groove after surviving those first two innings. And I mean, barely surviving. I mean, Ramirez rips a line drive to end the second inning. He cracked this thing at Judge. 94 miles per hour, but only had a 160 expected batting average because it was kind of right at Judge. It was a little bit over his head. He had a backpedal on it a little bit, but Judge is just such a huge target in right field. The guy just catches everything out there. It's like a like a tight end in football where you could just throw anything up to him and he goes up and gets it. That's kind of what Aaron Judge is out in right field. Just anything out there. He either run, he's fast, he can run it down, or he's gonna reach up and grab it. I just you gotta keep the ball away from Judge in right field. Um we all know that that guy in old man softball where you're like, don't hit to him. Whatever you do, don't hit to that guy because he literally catches everything out there. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, despite those moments. So we were hard, hard hitting uh, Severino. Uh, what did I say? We hard hit him 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 times on 106 pitches. But he does settle into a groove. And... Uh, like we said, sets down a bunch of batters in a row to let the Yankees come back into this game. So I don't think Yankees fans are too upset with Severino's performance on the day. And you know what? Tristan McKenzie has had better days, but I'm, I'm still not that mad at Tristan McKenzie. It, it, some of his stuff was still pretty effective. He had better CSW and whiff numbers than Severino. We were super aggressive against Severino. We swung 57 times. We swung 38 times at his fastball and only whiffed six times. Now, we fouled off 19 of them. But being ultra-aggressive, he only has a 19% whiff rate, a 25% CSW. Meanwhile, on the other side, McKenzie has a 34% whiff rate. So, a little bit better. Got some good whiffs on that slider, a 40% whiff rate on the slider. Got some good whiffs, eight whiffs and eight called strikes on the four-seam fastball. So the fastball is a 36% CSW. However, it does give up those two home runs. Um, So it's a 34% whiff rate total on the day for Tristan McKenzie and a 32% CSW. So I thought McKenzie pitched fair. Uh, it, it It's tough, man. The playoffs really amp things up. Things get so much tougher in the playoffs. It's tough to get that crooked number. It takes until the ninth inning before the Guardians can get that crooked number, right? It takes three hits to get one run across, but they just they can't turn that into a crooked number. Now, I love them spreading out runs like this and scoring in multiple innings. I love that, but a one or two crooked numbers along the way is going to make things a lot easier at the end of the game. 
But hey, finally in the ninth inning, they finally figure out how to get a crooked number on the board. They don't just settle for one run. They rally for three. And again, a party, an absolute party down at Progressive Field. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. I don't think I could possibly talk anymore. Uh, let's go into game four. Let's let's finish this thing. Let's finish the job. I don't even know. What's the matchup going to be? Have they announced the matchup for game four? It's going to be Quantrill going for your Guardians. So back to your game one matchup. It's Cole versus Quantrill. That, uh, I guess the rain delay didn't even matter because uh, this game was scheduled for Sunday. Game four was going to be played Sunday no matter what. So both guys uh, coming back from game one, and they're going to go and do battle again. So Quantrill, he's getting his moment to pitch at home. Like, I don't, I don't want to jinx it. Knock on wood. But... Uh, yeah, it's Quantrill pitching at home, and he has been very, very good at progressive field. So I I wanted to see him pitch at home in these playoffs. I thought that was the right way to go, and uh, we're going to get a chance to see it here in game four, but he's got to go up against Garrett Cole. So definitely still have a job to do here, still have plenty of work to do up two to one, but we've done this before to the Yankees. We've done it before to them, where they thought they were going to come in and roll through Cleveland. Going back to the 90s, we've done it to them. We can beat the Yankees in the playoffs. We have done it before. We will do it again, and let's do it in this series. Let's finish these guys off in Cleveland and keep the party going. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. MVP on the day, no doubt about it. It goes to Oscar Gonzalez. It's his only hit on the day. But it is a monster one. He survives all the sliders they're throwing him. And he figures out a way to hit one kind of to the opposite field. Kind of back up the middle. And bring in two runs. Another walk-off for Oscar Gonzalez. Another MVP for the day trophy up on his mantle. Alright, really quick. Before we get out of here, we got a really nice email from our friend Rick in Austin. Uh, Rick is traveling around with his wife right now, uh, checking out some pubs and some fall foliage in the uh, southeast United States. And he says he's been planning his travel around the guards game so I can watch them. Of course, the postponement changed it, and we listened to the victory over the Yankees in Game 2 on ESPN Radio while on way to Memphis. Eduardo Perez said when Yanks had bases loaded that any guards fan that is driving is probably gripping the steering wheel tightly with sweaty hands, Man, was he right. (laughs) So a little bit of excitement on the road for Rick. He said, I'm so excited now and get to watch tonight's game in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So Rick is having a party right now in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We will be home in Austin tomorrow for hopefully the clincher for the guards. I'm enjoying your podcast more than ever during these trying times. Have a great time at the game. Rick in North Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Austin. So thank you, Rick. I appreciate the email, and I hope you're having a fantastic trip. And I love that you're squeezing in the guards' games. Uh, We've all been there. We've all been there. We all understand. Uh, Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just got to listen to a game on the radio while you're driving on the road, right? Uh, So, yeah, I hope you're having a good time in Hot Springs, Arkansas, Rick. And uh, we'll check in with you after uh, and see once you get back to Austin, back in your comfort zone, watching those guards on your home TV. Um, so that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's your Guardian 6, 
the New York Yankees 5. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Ferris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly.